Episode 246 of the No Proscenium Podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro Studio, a.k.a. the kitchen table here in Los Angeles. It's hot today, and I don't have air conditioning, so the door is open, and uh, the neighbors are running their air conditioning, and there's more background noise than normal. So we're going to keep this part of the show pretty short. Today on the show, uh, I'm quite happy to bring uh, back to the show... Uh, Maxwell Plank, who is the CEO of Adventure Lab. The last time we were talking with Maxwell, it was in the context of SIGGRAPH, and that was last year. This time, we're talking about his company, Adventure Lab, and uh, something really, really cool that they have coming up on the horizon here, which is Dr. Crumb's School for Disobedient Pets, which is a virtual reality escape room experience and uh, that has a live actor in it. I had the pleasure of doing a beta version of it uh, a few weeks ago, and it was fantastic. In the beta, it was fantastic. Um, Maxwell brings a hell of a lot of experience to this. Uh, he was at Pixar. He was at Oculus. Uh, he's He's been at a lot of big companies, big studios, and now he's working with a, a dedicated team, a smaller team. We're going to talk a bit about that. We're going to talk about what they're up to, the design principles here, and uh, kind of the moment we are in uh, with regard to VR, all right, uh, which is a very strange moment and not one that anyone was expecting to be in, and that's actually one of the reasons why Dr. Crumbs is, is hitting things sooner uh, then later, this is going to be a ticketed experience, so um, not a you know buy it, play it game, but something that is an event that you uh, go to with friends, uh, much like you would an escape room. All right, uh, just a quick update on the Patreon first. I want to thank our sustaining backers: Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F, Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Sydney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, and Brittany. And I wanted to thank our brand new backward backers. That would be Molly Hay, uh, Dan Brookwell, and uh, Stocky Trade, um, which I'm, I'm guessing is a pseudonym. <laughs> Who knows? Um, also, Michael Davis Wilson and Alex Kalum both uh, dropped some more into the kitty. Thank you both. Um, ironically, we are at the best the Patreon's ever been right now, holding on for that one moment. Uh, Please, if you can, do not take this opportunity. Oh, no, it's fine. We are not fine. <laughs> we are not fine at all. Uh, I, it looks like I will be getting the stimulus check. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, it is a tough road right now. So uh, we want to continue moving the ball forward. Uh, if you can, please, 2 or $5 is what we ask. And uh, seriously, just like let everybody know. Uh, tell us about the stuff. Uh, tell people that we exist. Uh, help people connect with more creators. Um it's the website is as important about that noprosinium.com as this show, if not more so. Um, and uh, the latest edition, I don't know, not I have ghosts. I don't know what that sound was. Maybe baby, baby Yoda used his magic hand uh, and made something drop. Who knows? It's weird. I think I may be haunting my own house now. I don't know. Um, trying to make jokes out of strange sounds. Uh, let's not do that. I also didn't have lunch, so I'm, I'm a little loopy. Let's just get in the show. 
I'll talk to you on the backside of this thing about what where the world is. All right. So here we go. Uh, this was a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy. <laughs> Maxwell, as you know, probably far too well, this is just a conversation, but I wanted to start off today because I got a chance to check out one of the things we're doing at Adventure Lab a, a few weeks ago. I think right when the, right when the doom came down. Yeah, uh, it was it, about 40 days ago. Yeah. Um, you were, you, you responded to the doom, I think by ramping up what you were already doing and starting to like reach out to some performers and one of the performers dragged me along. So um are, you're i guess you're clear to talk about that right now so yeah. tell us tell us what you got cooking that's about to come off the the stove here and be served up to the masses <laughs> yeah yeah uh so uh with adventure lab we've we've been we've had this idea for about a year now that we thought that the we want to uh, we think that where vr is going is creating an opportunity to bring people together for a live event and we were thinking, what could that live event be? What can you do in virtual reality that's magical? And so since uh, last year, we, uh, we've been creating this experience that you sign up for with your friends. And when you show up for this event, and this is all in virtual reality, you can use an Oculus Quest, an Oculus Rift, or an HTC Vive, so you can do it from anywhere, from the comfort of your home. And when you show up, there's a real live host, a, a performer who's guiding you through this adventure that lasts about 40 minutes. And we thought that this would be a great use of the medium because it creates this social opportunity, this reason to gather together. And when we started it, we thought that this was a way to connect people who were across distance, who uh, had busy schedules, and all of a sudden the coronavirus comes along. And for us, you know, we, one of our big missions was we not only wanted to create this new form of entertainment, but we also wanted to create this new platform where performers could make money by running these shows. And so they would have, be able to run these remotely if they had virtual reality themselves. And the coronavirus accelerated this need for, oh my God, suddenly all these amazing performers don't have stages anymore. And we can solve that problem as well and start bringing entertainment for people who are cooped up in their homes. And so that's what we're doing is we're, we're launching our first adventure called Dr. Crumb's School for Disobedient Pets. And I can, we can talk more about that uh, since yes. you tried it out. Uh, and we're, we feel like uh, you know, a silver lining here is I think that this is an opportunity to create a new form of virtual entertainment that connects people. And it, it feels like it's now more of a dire problem then it was a nice to have. Yeah, I, you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's like you went from being, having experienced it, I can imagine part of it was, oh, would it be cool to do like an escape room thing in VR? And, you know, because you can't necessarily get your crew together, right? Like just just from a game player standpoint, like getting everybody together to go out to a spot. It's a pain in the butt. The oh, it's, it's annoying. And now we've got an entirely different, you know, set of issues. And... This tackles that head on. Um, I, I got to say, I was impressed. Like I saw, you know, it feels like a pretty late stage beta version of what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Uh, it, it feels a bit rough to me still. <laughs> uh, but we're seeing the magic of bringing people who know each other together and 
having a performer who's your host, who's there to make sure you have a good time. It's it's working. Well, uh, I think I think you're playing yeah. into in that one in particular. You're playing into the strengths of the medium, which I know you know. I know you know VR inside and upside down, but just just playing into the fact that. Um, you know, you know, depending on which role you are in the team, you have different abilities or you're even able to see different things. I think that that being able to split perception up uh, yeah. in order to enforce teamwork, I think, is is something that's beautiful that VR can do. And like the first time I really saw it was in was in Jumanji at the void. And I was so taken aback in a good way it was just like, this is brilliant, you know, Um and it speaks to what I think is one of the, 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 the reasons why the medium deserves to exist, which is it lays bare the fact that we, we as people don't all see all facets of the world. And by making a oh, game, yeah, by making a game that gives you a direct visceral experience uh, an awareness that you need other people to understand the world, um, I think it's just wonderful. Yeah, thank thank you for that. That's uh, that was one of our big missions. Is you know we're right now our adventures are cooperative. It's about puzzle solving. It's about doing it in a certain amount of time, very much like escape rooms. And it was a big design principle, a mission for us is that we're succeeding if players need to talk to each other. Mm. That it creates. We we want to to have that connection even off over a virtual link. And so this idea that, well, what if one person was the dog and the dog could only see certain smells, see certain clues. And so that person had to relay that information to his or her teammates. And so we're, we're trying to think of what are the ways that we get people to talk to each other. And we know yeah. we're succeeding if that's working. Yeah. Yeah, just that idea of like, you can see something, but you can't do anything about it. But if you see right. something and you say something, then someone else is able to do something about it. Right. And that's just such a different paradigm <laughs> from what we, from what gets enforced, I think, in a lot of gaming and in a lot of our culture as a whole. And uh, it also, it also, you know, lets someone feel, you know, needed, <laughs> right? Yes, you know, so, yeah, so, that everyone can be the hero. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, so many game experiences, you know, you know, even cooperative ones can make you feel kind of like useless. Right. I mean, like I never feel, well, not never feel, but I never feel more, more useless than if I'm like playing Halo or something like that. And I'm like the, <laughs> the worst player on the team. Right. You know, but there's, there's, I, I've got nothing to add. Uh, in fact, in, in some ways, if I'm really bad at it, then I'm, I'm hurting the team because I just keep on getting shot whenever I get spawned. Um, this type of co cooperative game design uh, never lets someone kind of fall into that hole. Um, and so yeah. that's, that's, that's a really exciting thing. Talk to me a bit about this idea of, you know, uh, enabling performers. Because on the one hand, because so, I think there's a couple different ways you can go with this, this system you've built out. And I got to imagine... Uh, that this is just, you know, one kind of like a, like an escape room company. This is just one room for lack of a better term you've built, but there's something interesting here about the performers being able to like run them and, and, and having multiple instances going at once. Yes. Yeah. We, we want to be able to take 
the escape room idea and give it, give it scale. Uh, I, I love escape rooms. I love that, that cooperation, this feeling that we have. We are either going to all fail together or succeed. And it just creates those moments where people naturally high-five. They naturally congratulate each other. And what we want to do with Adventure Lab is we want to give the, this experience, uh, we want to take it to the next level. We want to mix in elements from Dungeons and Dragons, from role-playing games, where the performer is not just there to give little nudges and clues, but the performer can actually be the nemesis of the room or the handler of the secret agency. And we're playing around with the idea that this a single performer can embody different characters in the adventure. And just through maybe a little bit of voice modulation in technology uh, and uh, making it feel like the performer's voice is coming from different places, we're giving a lot of tools for this performer to add their own twist on how this cooperative puzzle thing can actually be deeper than that. And so we're, we're finding each host brings a, a different flair to it where sometimes it actually becomes more of a humor experience than a, set of, a, a feeling that it's a puzzle-solving experience. Or it becomes even more emotional because the, the, the players, our guests, start having an emotional relationship with Dr. Crumb, who's supposed to be this evil scientist, but actually could become this, this guy who's just lonely and needs, needs friends. And that's why he's training minions. Uh, that's one of the beauties of having a live performer is you can bend the story like the how can be different and it's not just about like well, well this time i did it like here's the puzzles we solved it's like well this is this is the relationship we created with this character yes yes and the uh, a feeling that oh my god what's happening right now with a performer can never be repeated this mm. is our experience this is this is our memory it's not like we got together in a uh, in a game and just played through AI, that's something that everyone in the world is doing exactly the same. But having a performer there means that they can respond to to the the players in a way that's unique and intimate. You've got this poise to roll out. When you do, what's, what's the plan in place? Like how many performers are, are you thinking of, of having a, a go at the start? And how big could you scale this thing just on this just this one experience? Right now, we're we're planning to launch this. In, so what you experienced, Noah, it was pretty late in a beta stage, and we're going to launch it in May. We have trained up three hosts and planning to run twenty shows per week. That's our goal in May. Uh, we'd like with each month to start doubling that, uh, and uh, we want to work on having another adventure. That will depend on where, how uh, uh, funding goes for us, as well as how revenue. But our, our hope is that there are enough people out there looking for this form of entertainment that we can fill those showtimes. And so right now we're going to open with about 20 showtimes per week, see if we can fill that. And if we're, the demand is high, then this is, we're only limited by uh, how many hosts we can bring on. We don't actually have to build a new space to scale this up. Uh, and so that's our plan. When are you planning? Sorry, someone, someone sent me a message. So like my brain like had like go out of the, the yeah. performance for a second. Um, on the other side of it, when you once you've got this up and running and you've got you know multiple performers going, 
uh, are you looking at this kind of the way like an escape room company would is like, this is like chapter one or this is our first room. And yeah. are you also thinking about opening this up to other designers to sort of play in your, your sandbox here? Yeah, that, that is the, the plan in the long run is to become, we call, instead of calling our, uh, these experiences rooms or escape rooms, we call them adventures because what we want to do is create this new type of platform where hosts and players can come together for this, this event. We, we love this idea that people buy a ticket and they gather their friends and family. Uh, but we want to create more adventures and we don't want to be the bottleneck in making these. We want other people who are great designers, great adventure makers to come to us and partner with us. And this is, that's another problem that's happening. There's these amazing escape room designers out there that right now cannot create something that people can use. They're great puzzle makers. Why not make something on our platform as well? So that, that is the, the goal is, yes, this is kind of our, this is the first adventure. And, and this is with each adventure, we want to get better and better at this. Uh, and so that, that is the plan. Uh, specifically with Dr. Crumb, we are going to make more episodes of this world, but we want to expand into w different forms of what adventures can be. How did you wind up doing this? I know, I know your backstory, but for those, yeah. those who don't, like, how, yeah. like, why are you the guy doing all this stuff? Uh, well, I'll just, uh, let's see. I can go back to, to what got me into VR in the first place. Uh, before yeah. that, I was lucky enough that I was a technical director at Pixar for, for 10 years, where I got to work on movies like Cars and Up, uh, WALL-E, The Good Dinosaur, and Brave. And I loved that work. It was, it was uh, a super hard decision to, to leave. But I was hearing stories of what it was like to be in Pixar during the early days, back in the 80s. And I, I was looking for what is that leap forward in our generation? What, what is that new medium that is going to redefine how we entertain each other? And I found VR, and I fell in love with its potential. I, I felt like it's not a matter of if, but when. And so back in 2014, I left Pixar and with Edward Saatchi and Sashka Unseld, we started a team that became Oculus Story Studio, which was a, a small team within Oculus that was making some of the first narrative content for virtual reality. So what we were doing is saying, hey, is there, is there a way we can take that magic of what Pixar did and put an audience inside an experience, a story. And at Story Studio, we were there for three years, we made three short films that were, were trying to show this is what we think a narrative could look like in this new medium. Uh, we made a, a short film called Lost, then Henry and Dear Angelica. During that time, I, I was realizing, so this was in 2014 through 2017, I was realizing that VR was at its best when people were together, when they were doing something, when there was a reason to be there, and when it was interactive. And to, to make an experience that said, hey, we're just going to put you in the middle of a story and then you get to be an observer in that. It felt like it was a tease. It, it felt like, you know, I, you, wait, you're giving me hand presence, you're giving me a sense of self here. And it's especially powerful when there's another person in the room represented by an avatar that you want to do something. Yeah. And 
So I, I went to Facebook to work on uh, their social VR team, and I was one of the early engineers on the Oculus Horizon project. And while I was there, I realized that I think the key element to bring people together in VR is to make it an event worth going to. Mm. And, and at the time, I was into escape rooms and Dungeons and & Dragons, and I was like, you know what? There's something about the clue master in an escape room and the, the dungeon master of D&D, something about this feeling that we're the, the game or the you're being guided through by someone who's really there, that it brought a comfort, it, it brought, brought a sense of I'm being guided through this experience, and that it was an idea that was just too enticing that I was like, you know what, I've got to go make this happen. And so uh, back in 2019, uh, Kim and I started Adventure Lab. That, that essential idea of there being a game master guiding you through the adventure that you're having, that's the thing that always keeps me coming back with the potential of VR as a medium. This And, and that's one of the things that I loved seeing in Dr. Crumbs that you had is this you know, one performer getting to embody these different roles, getting to manipulate the world. It's, it's really the sort of, there's a, there's a visual and extra, you know, audio level to the art of game mastering here. You know, the ability to manipulate that whole world. I mean, when you have a good session of D and D going on, you know, you, that all happens just in your heads, but there's something, I mean, to be able to be able to do that physically, I don't know. I'm, I'm someone who comes from like theater and LARP, right? Like I was running mm-hmm. LARPs yeah. uh, in, in the beginning of my college career and running them with my old like high school theater crew. And just the idea that we'd one day have a tool where we could slip on in like an infinite number of costumes, if you will. And if we wanted to like, you know, throw a set together, we could just grab some computer assets and throw that set together. Like that was the dream, you know, it wasn't just about, uh, you know, we did what we could with the places we were able to con our way into using, but in, in your heart of hearts, you want to have kind of an infinite budget. Um, yeah, and the, and the, the crazy thing is that all of the early game makers back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, so the, the video game designers, they were all Dungeons and Dragons nerds. Mm-hmm. That, that's what they're saying is, could we take what we love about Dungeons and Dragons and make it into a game? And in a lot of ways they succeeded, but they took the Dungeon Master out. They, they turned that into programming. Yeah. And what we're doing is saying, well, actually there's something magical about having a real person there who can improvise against you and, and give you encouragement that, that we're trying to bring back uh, with all the the magical abilities of things you can do in video games to make you feel like you're somewhere uh, completely fantastic. Have you ever thought about this in terms of like the D and D module, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Campaign book. Yeah. So like not, not just a matter of, you know, a professional necessarily doing it, but you know, giving people the toolkit to put it on for their own friends. Yes. We've, we've definitely talked about that. <laughs> we've definitely talked about that. I, I think the, you know, we, when I first thought of this idea, I was thinking, should we just make something as magical and fantastic as Dungeons and Dragons? 
I worried about how VR is already so intimidating as a technology mm. to get into that I didn't want to go as deep as Dungeons and Dragons because that's, that's a level of depth that is not as accessible. Yeah. And I think escape rooms and puzzle solving is something that a lot of people be like, oh, okay, I, I kind of am familiar with that. And that's, that's a big design principle too, is that we don't want to teach complicated VR mechanics. We want people to come into our experiences and if whether they're a newbie to VR or experienced, they can have a good time. Uh, so that, that's, that's, there's definitely been a lot of moments where I've been like, oh, it'd be so cool if I could just run this campaign, this Dungeons and Dragons campaign in this adventure. I, I do think we, we do want to have it so that uh, if, especially if people are paying for this great event, we want to make sure that there, there's a guarantee of something, uh, a performer who can really deliver a really well-hosted experience. We do want people to be like, you know what, I, I'm a 13-year-old and I've got some friends and we loved playing Dr. Crumbs, but we kind of like to do it ourselves. Uh, and we'd be like, all right, here, here is a way that you can buy the app and, and just play it with your friends over and over. Uh, we do think that the first time we want people to experience it, we'd love for them to do it with a performer because we want it to feel like, oh, wow, I can see how it can be elevated. And then they can use that as an example to run it for their friends. No, I, I love that that is your approach because I look at stuff. I see some of the things that people are doing in, say, like VR chat. I have I have a friend who, um, you know, obsessed is a strong word, but I'm going to say obsessed um, <laughs> with with building worlds in VR chat. And like, I think they just designed with a team like a, a, an hour plus long. Oh, my God. A horror. team of yeah. people making VR chat worlds. Holy. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. Wow. Like, like it's, it's seriously, I mean, like they're scripting, they're, they're treating it like they've got bug reports They're I mean, these people spend hours a day in there and like, apparently they've built a world that's like, you know, an hour long or more like puzzle adventure type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but the very idea of like doing that to me is hyper intimidating, right? And oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I've seen, I've, I'm more of a rec room nerd than I am yeah. VR chat. And the time people are spending in there is, is it? You're right. It is obsessive. Yeah. Well, and there's, and there's definitely like, I mean, there's all sorts of cool stuff that's going on in, in terms of that. But it, but it's very intimidating when you just want to be like, okay, but like, what's my in? Or what can I just go do? Right. Like I just right, want to, yes. I just want to like pick up and play with my friends. Right. You know, I don't necessarily want to invest, you know, uh, a long time learning all the tool set. And I think that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that happens with all kinds of, uh, you know, active pastimes. It's definitely what happens with people who, who play role-playing games. You get people who like playing their character and they'll invest the time to like show up every week to play with their friends. Then you get the people who like playing their character and will not only do that, but also write like, you know, 8 million pages of <laughs> backstory and try and dominate. Their I game have those masters. friends. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They'll try and down, dominate their game masters downtime. It's like, so could we do a session uh, in between? It's like, well, I have a job. Um, and then you have the, the, the game masters who are, you know, crazy enough to uh enable all that stuff and do even more work uh and i was definitely one of those people once upon a time and there are times when running this community feels like i'm a dungeon master for thousands <laughs> um but uh 
only uh, I don't create the villains, uh, which is the sad part. Uh, it'd be a lot easier if I could just nerf some of the villains. Um, oh, God, I'd love to be able to nerf reality. That's another thing entirely. But the point is... <laughs> that's the, a, yeah, that's, the, that's a different form of escapism. <laughs> yeah, seriously. The, but the point... The, the, there is a point, and the point is... I see what the, the approach you're taking right now is a way to create the bridge between someone who has you know, finally gotten their hands on an Oculus, yeah. which is hap- starting to happen this week, mm-hmm. uh, and folks who you know, cannot wait to build their own world and probably already have a Vive Index, right? Uh, because that's yeah. the best way to like, get fine-grained control over what they're doing. And as we're in this moment where everyone is you know, more or less stuck inside, right? Yeah. Um, being able to like get somewhere else in a virtual sense, uh, so I'm, I'm picking up my quest because it always sits by the laptop. Um, it's it's just comforting to know there's this little portal to another universe, like in the palm of our hand. Um, it's got to be kind of weird. I've got mine right here too. Yeah, it's got to be kind of weird though to like, like. This is not what saved at home VR. I think things were going fine uh, in the past, just in the past like six months. Like we finally got that pickup. But you run the, these circles. How how is uh, how is the current moment sort of being viewed inside the the VR dev world? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I'll I'll speak to that. I, I did have a, a thought while you were you were talking about. Uh, oh please. Pick, pick uh, any point in the rant to to, to spur off. No, so. no. There's the. Uh, it, it brought to mind uh, a story, one of my favorite stories, where uh, it was about maybe a month ago, where uh, someone brought together a group of friends who all bought quests to say, "Hey, this is this is the headset to buy." Uh, and this was one person who's a VR nerd, and he he convinced all of his friends, and then they found that there just wasn't anything that brought them together socially. They talked about, hey, let's, we could play poker together, we could get into Rec Room or do VR chat. And it was signing up for an Adventure Lab experience, this idea that it's something you put on a calendar, that there's a real performer there, you, that you buy, you pay for this time, that it, it created this moment where they came together, had a great time, and then at the end of it, they were like, guys, this is awesome, let's do other stuff in VR. And so I, I, you know, they were like, hey, should we just go and play some poker together or go into rec room? So I think you need, you need this, this event, this reason to gather uh, to bring people together. And it, it seems counterintuitive because you'd think, oh, really? You have to actually show up at a specific time and it's not on demand. But for gathering people around the campfire, so to speak, I think there is something powerful about the host and the event. Oh, I, I mean, I completely concur The there's something, there's something about having that carved out time. I think of, you know, when we all used to watch Game of Thrones together via Twitter, right? You know, like that's, that's a, yeah. that's a form of, or when people, you know, or, you know, a sporting event or watching the debates, right? Like as much as we're all happy to have these you know, everything on demand. Like we, we also all know that, you know, that the, the half-life on a Netflix series is about 72 hours because Mm -hmm. at a certain point, everyone's on a different episode and kind of like no one, no one can kind of sync up. Whereas you watch the cultural impact of something like the Mandalorian, where it was like every week you knew 
you know, you had that weekend to catch up and people talk and talk and talk and then all the Baby Yoda memes go everywhere. <laughs> and I think that we've, we've seen the success of that model bear out. It's not the only reason why that Disney Plus is the success, but you know, there's 50 million subscribers already and they thought that was gonna take them, what, five years to get to? And it took them six months? The, the destination thing is, I don't think it's a small part of that. I, I think it's a yeah. critical element. Yeah, and I, the having, for us, for, for having that performer who's there that has, we're, we're hoping to have some guarantee that there is, there is someone here you can trust. There's someone here that is not going to belittle you or make you feel bad because you're still getting your VR legs under you. And or if you're stuck on a puzzle, they're providing that guidance that, so you're, you're in flow. Uh, our hope is to, we still, uh, as a VR developer, we, even though I've been doing this for about five years, we still have to recognize that there's so many people who are still new to this medium and to, mm -hmm. to try to deliver what a VR expert wants right now is only going to satisfy a very small group of people when I want to make something that is enticing to the generation to come. Yeah, this need to keep on onboarding folks. I think that's something that, that's a lesson that a lot of immersive designers, uh, both digital and physical, can, can take to heart in general, which is it's always someone's first day. Um, it's always someone's first immersive experience. And if you've crafted something that can, can work really at a deep level work for someone who is their first day, you've probably also caught a lot of the folks who love this stuff inherently because there's something about the, the essential magic of it that if you nail that right, um, it doesn't necessarily need to be hyper elaborate or, or overly complex or demand all of your time uh, in order to enjoy. Um, I, I, sometimes I think about like food, right? You know, you can go and get like a super elaborate meal or you can just have like, you know, the best damn plate of pasta you've had in ages. Um, and you make me hungry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it's pasta that's my night secret my cap. I'm always hungry. So um, I, I did want to, you, you had that great question about where VR is right now, how it's yes. completely changed over the last few weeks. You know, it, it was to, to make the case for home-based VR was definitely warming up. And it was because of the Oculus Quest the standalone VR headset where it felt like this is something that the next, what is it, the, the next group of adopters beyond the early adopters and the developers were starting to buy. And there was also a lot of interesting stuff happening in location-based VR. And there was this, the, this wonder of is it, are people going to find their first VR experience by going out to an arcade or seeing the void or sandbox VR? Or are they going to, to try their friend's quest and go out and buy it? So there, there was on our roadmap for Adventure Lab, should we partner with uh, great escape rooms, great uh, VR arcades out there, and bring our product so that we could get exposure to their, their channels, to their, their folks. Uh, and now, with, in the age of coronavirus, we realize that VR is solving this problem that allows us to feel present together when we we thought we were solving the problem of distance across hundreds of miles and mm -hmm. now we're solving the problem of 
not being able to get within six feet of each other. Yeah. And so I think that 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 has dramatically changed the VR landscape where I think now VR is a serious solution for the problem that we uh, we are not able to to actually be physically present with each other. And I think that uh, unfortunately, I think VR arcades, location-based entertainment, uh, I don't think it's going to be coming back for a while because I think there is just going to be a nervousness about putting a device on our face that's being shared by the public. And so I do think that VR has taken a hard right turn that it is a home-based play. Yeah, I, th I think and it's hard for us to play know. Only. Yeah, I, well, I think it's hard for us to know. There's the short and the medium and the long term when it comes to this moment. And, you know, I was having a conversation earlier today and someone made the point that, you know, there's both there's both the steps that needed. Uh, there are going to be steps that are needed to, like, you know, make something safe, you know, once people start going back mm -hmm. out into the world again. And there's also the step needed to be very transparent that you're making it safe. Right. So it's not enough that you're wiping down. They actually right. use like the VR, the VR headset as an example, just like even beforehand, like it's not enough to tell people like, Oh, we wipe them down in between people using. It's like, no, you're going to want to see someone wipe that sucker down. You're going to, you're going to need to see people take the foam out, you know, put the other foam in the, yeah. the, 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 the whole nine yards uh, in order to like really get that, get that done. But I, I mean, there's, this is this is constantly on my mind these days about you know when the kind of high touch experiential comes back. Um, you know, what where... do you what do you think about the idea? I, I think it's I, I think you're totally right, uh, and I do think it's actually going to have to go to an extreme of people are actually going to have to see the whole device being put into a box that sanitizes it and taken out of it. Uh, I I wonder when we'll get to a place where there's enough personal headsets out there that people will go to locations with their personal quest oh, wow. and do something where it is as awesome as the void or sandbox VR where you feel not only virtually present but also you're able to tactically feel present with someone. I think that that is still a huge idea. It just requires enough people to have their own personal headsets. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a I feel like that's a tall order, particularly because like they can't even get yeah. enough headsets in for the folks who want them right now, right? We find ourselves in this kind of wacky catch twenty two where, you know, Facebook um, clearly had some, you know, one could say like depressed. Well, you never know if it was a clear like Nintendo play, or uh, and I'm not going to ask if you were privy to, to knowledge on this, but <laughs> there's one way of looking at the at the headset shortage, uh, which you know. Just saying that it seems funny given saying those words two years ago would have gotten me laughed out of a room. Now it's like, no, really, they sold out in three hours at Best Buy. Um, you know, there's one way in which this was a brilliant marketing move because this way you get those Nintendo levels of demand. Um, it's so hot right now, I can't buy one. And you have a, you have a content pipeline that is doing okay. Like, I, I don't mm. think at this moment that it is that it is uh, holy God on the quest. Um, I think it's super solid. And in any given month, I can point to something and say, like, this came out and it's cool. Uh, it's not eating at my life, but I like it. 
Um, I think that something like Half-Life Alex is, which I haven't gotten a chance to play, obviously that's just setting a, an entirely different standard. Oh, it's, and then there's it, kind of, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I recommend you set aside some time. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't have the gear, right? That's the thing. Oh, it's like, even right. though I've got a quest, I don't have a computer that'll run it, which right. is the number one problem. It's the reason why I love the quest is like, I don't need anything else, right? I don't need to, I don't need to spend $2,000 on top of having the, the, the headset. And from a, a developer standpoint, it's similar to a console. If I know it works well on the quest, it's going to work great. It's not like I have to worry, does it, does it run on uh, NVIDIA? graphics card and an AMD graphics card and different CPUs. Yeah. It just, so that is a game changer from the developer side. Yeah. And that, and you know, the, and people are playing to its strengths in a very clear way. And I think, I think that's good, but we, you know, but the, the supply is constrained and I mean, it'll, it'll just take a while to like everyone has. And I don't know if we'll ever get to the point when, everyone has them the way people have phones, right? Yeah, um, yes. I, I think that VR is not as big or as big of a necessity as, as having a phone. Right. There, everyone was using a phone before the smartphones came along. It just was a better, it was a better version of a tool everyone was familiar with. Yeah, I think, I think the target here would be, you know, something like a game console or even like a Game Boy you know, in terms of how, how deep the market penetration can get. It, it um, depends on, I think from an entertainment standpoint, that would be, that would be amazing for VR. Yeah. I do, uh, to, to speak to, I don't actually have any information, so, even though I, I did work at Facebook. I do, I do actually have a lot of respect for, for what Facebook is doing as a company, that for a long time they were, they were trying different experiments of what the form factor should be. They really didn't know if VR needed to be high-end or if it needed to be something you dropped your phone into. Mm-hmm. And so all of the products that came out were tests. And so they, weren't, they didn't actually ramp up to become a product that could be produced millions a month. And when they, the, I think what has now happened is the Oculus Quest came out. And based on all the data I've seen that's out in the public, it's doing incredibly well. And so if I know, speaking for my knowledge of having worked at Facebook, but not knowing where they're going strategically, I think what they're doing is saying, great, we've done the experiment. We know this is the headset people want. Now let's throw some gasoline on this. And so they didn't actually ramp up their production pipeline. It takes a long time to ramp up something that could be producing, say, half a million units a month. But I have a lot of encouragement that possibly the next version of the Quest is going to have a better supply chain solution. So I, that's my hope. Uh, I'm yeah. also biased because that's what I want to happen. <laughs> well, I, and I think I, I've got a feeling that that's the bet they will make. Because um, they'd kind of be crazy to not make that bet. Um, they may still want to like have there be you know, something a little staggered in terms of how it comes out. Right. You know, but having the ability to make that choice um, and, and knowing that it may be able to pay off for them uh, is, is a much different proposition than just, you know, a couple of years ago where, yeah, it wasn't clear, you know, was this only going to be a high end gamer, you know, niche thing. Uh, and, and I think, I think one of the reasons why things aren't progressing in that direction is like, I'll look at, 
people respond to Half-Life Alex and say like, oh, well, I don't, I just want to play it on my, on my computer. I don't want to have to use a VR thing. Or I see people saying, if I can't strafe with a controller while sitting down in VR, then it's a fail. And that just, that just makes me crack up. It's like, you know. <laughs> I, I've, I've been in VR for a long time and been playing video games and I cannot stomach strafing. No, <laughs> I, I, I don't. Yeah, well, just this idea that folks have is like, oh, I want to, if I can't play it like I play a video game, like this right. is a bad VR experience. Yeah. It's like, no, it just, it's not for you. You know, it's like you don't actually want VR. You want a video game. Um, and you've got to Right, like, right. Yeah, yeah that, and, that's a really powerful statement. Yeah. I think that that's the key is that we're not, we're not trying to make a new console for video games. I think that, that VR can be so much more than that. And uh, we're, we're still figuring out what it needs to be. And the Quest has a lot of great stuff on it, but I would say that it's still a bit stuck in, in a feeling of we need to please the gamer. We need to make games that smell and look a lot like what gamers are used to instead yeah. of experimenting with, with new ideas. And so yeah. that the, our experiment, our belief, is that the live host is, is this new ingredient that uh, is, you know, it's, it's out there. It's out, out, out of the box. We're, we're saying that we are not trying to sell you a game that you buy once and hopefully get 10 hours of fun entertainment out of it. We're trying to create an experience for you that might last 30 to 40 minutes. And we're trying to create enough value in that moment that you will pay for it as if it were uh, as valuable as going to an escape room or going out to a movie. Uh, and that's, that's a, a new idea of virtual events. Well, Maxwell, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk about what you've got going on. Uh, if people want to keep a close eye on when you're launching, what should they do? They should keep a close eye on our website. It's also where you can sign up for Showtimes. Uh, you can search for Adventure Lab or Dr. Crumb School for Disobedient Pets. And the website is www.adventurelab, that's L-A-B, dot F-U-N, so dot fun. All right. Maxwell, thanks again. And uh, for those of you who listen to the live cast, uh, we'll, uh, we'll jump into another room in a moment. Thanks, Noah. It's a lot of fun. again i want to thank maxwell plank for being our guest on the show today you can find what he is up to over at adventurelab.fun you know i know i know two companies that use the dot fun and both of them are really good so i'm not i'm not saying that if you use the dot fun you're guaranteed to do good work i'm just saying please don't mess up the streak and <laughs> Register.fun with some Bootsy talking. No, um, I really want to make it clear that Dr. Crumbs is super enjoyable. And if you have Oculus or any headset, right? I think, I think, I think it's coming out. It may come out tomorrow. It's definitely, it's definitely available on the Quest. Yeah, Quest Rift Vive and Index says so on the website that I'm looking at right now. Isn't that convenient? Um, if you got friends who have headsets, if you have friends, remember friends. Oh yeah, let's not go there. That's really, I just got really sad. Um, 
if you know people who have headsets and you like to do things with those people, you should really, really, really check this out when it drops. Um, we will keep you informed when it does drop and uh, hopefully do like an official review thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, look, I'm, um, I've been in a mood this week. Um, uh, those of you who are the ones to do like the going out, uh, in any way, shape or form, you know that it is more stressful than normal. Uh, I had a very long day out on Wednesday, uh, that knocked me senseless. And then I spent a lot of yesterday just not be able to get back into gear. Um, and then today I've been doing all the work that needed to be done in the past two days, uh, because that's the nature of the business, which is why it is 451 on the West coast while I am recording the end of this and getting this out particularly late before jumping into VR. Uh, VR is becoming like a more normal thing for me, uh, than, than ever before. Um, when, when a Vader immortal is not out, because then it's just like every day all the time. Um, but uh, speaking of which, can we get some more lightsaber stuff? Um, uh, I'm super curious about Supernatural, uh, which is coming out from within. It's out. It's out now. It's uh, it's Beat Saber meets Peloton. Uh, we talked about it a little bit on this week's TeamSpeak show. Uh, that is a kind of a, a, a semi-regular, we've done it every other week, editorial team podcast that is for backers only uh so patreon.com slash no proscenium you can get um you can listen to it live or you can listen to it after afterwards and indeed we do these shows live now on discord so you could have listened to maxwell and me live and indeed uh, some people did and then talked with maxwell afterwards so that's, that's a bonus benefit um and i'm trying to get better about announcing more than you know six hours in advance that we're doing one uh schedules they exist again uh not that i am aware of it but uh, Supernatural, which is from within, and uh, I, I didn't do a full tutorial yet, but I just like fired it up last night and like clicked on like the like I don't have an account, show me what's going on, and like it starts you off. It's it's it is it is like I said, Peloton meets Beat Saber, so you're doing Beat Saberish things with like a big music catalog, um, but you're doing it in like a in not a volumetrically but a, a, a cinema 3D scape. So they go to these like beautiful landscapes um, that you go work out in. And that enough right there is enough to make me be mm, very interested. 30-day trial, then like $20 a month after that, which is um, a little scary to me um, just right now for reasons. But you know what? I think I might just try the 30-day trial uh, and see how that goes. Uh, I mean, I'm not going anywhere else right now, so I might as well do that. Anyway, that's what's at the top of mind at the moment. Uh, there is a new column out uh, today as part of the Indoor Kids uh, weekly newsletter. Uh, it's also available on the website. Uh, that one is called uh, The Zoom Medium is the Zoom Message. Um, gee, I wonder what that one's about. And um, there's also a new Indoor Kids, 12 new things ranging from a uh, a really a fun little, you almost call it a gadget that... Uh, that the kids from uh, Mr. Mischief, Mr. Mischief.fun, there you go, did uh, called Answering Service, where it's just little stories on the phone. Uh, so not, not hyper interactive or anything, but from some of our favorite creators. And, uh, you know, I bet you they'll be playing around with that. Maybe they'll do something with it. That is pure speculation. I am not, I'm not trying to make, not trying to make Andy and Jeff do any more work than they, than they need to or want to do. But it is, uh, it's fun. And that matters a lot right now. 
all the way to some uh, some brand uh, some uh, new editions of uh, online editions of shows that are normally in real life. So Chaos Theory is getting a uh, kind of a, a downloadable content version of the sh- uh, addition to the show as they're spinning it. Uh, Red Flags is going online because Emma needs to date. Um, <laughs> that's when we're looking at it. Uh, and there's just 12 things, 12 things, and there'll be more things. Many more things. We put out a bunch in the in the past couple of days, and reviews are coming through. Uh, a uh, 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 just just there's there's just a bunch of stuff on the website. Go check it out. My blood sugar's dropping, so I'm gonna I'm actually gonna go jump into the Oculus Quest because there's there's someone I gotta go meet in there, and then I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have food. So take care of yourselves. Um, I miss you, and uh, you know. Uh, we should all we should all hang out in uh, the Discord soon. Uh, uh, you know uh, that that'd be nice. So we'll we'll, we'll figure something out. All right, uh, let's do the standard uh, end of the show. <laughs> Ken just suddenly, mellow. Is anyone else like this? Where you just like like is that your experience of this? Because that's that's my experience of this. It really is. Um, yeah, you know, and that's okay. It's okay. This is weird, right? I think we spent too much time saying like, you know, none of this is normal. None of this is normal. It's like we chanted that into existence, like for the past couple of years, none of this is normal. None of this is normal. And then the universe was like, you don't even know what you're saying. Let me show you. Um, so just, you know, be careful what you put out there. I don't want to go too, you know, metaphysical on you just like you know your expectations determine your reality in in more than one way i'm not saying that we summoned a pandemic i'm not saying that at all i'm just saying you know none of this is normal and on that note, music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Mark Balthazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Sidney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, and Brittany. Thank you all. No, seriously, thank you all. You pay my rent, well, the vast majority of it. Uh, and indeed, all the backers of the show, um, just help us get word out there. If there are shows that you really, 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 really love, tell us about them, all right? Uh, we want to help you get the feedback out there. Uh, join us on uh, Slack to talk uh, to us about it. Of course, there's also everything immersive over on Facebook. Uh, we're just, you know, there generally. Um, I'm grumpy, but uh, also at times I just want to talk to people. So um, we'll do some office hours in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Patreon backers get into the Discord and can take part of that and just hang out in there with us. And uh, anyone can join us on the Slack. Maybe we'll do both. I could use it. I'm going stir crazy. All right, enough of me. Until next time, I'll hear you on the internet.